I'm Nick Harcourt and welcome to another episode of The Sound of Success, the podcast where we talk with movers, shakers, and just plain cool people about music. My guest today is actor, writer, and musician Jason Schwartzman. Jason began his acting career in 1998 when at the age of 18 he starred in Wes Anderson's Rushmore. Since then, he has taken roles in an eclectic array of both film and television projects. Movies include Marie Antoinette, Saving Mr. Banks, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and The Polka King. His most recent movies are Wes Anderson's Asteroid City and The Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Among his television credits are Mozart in the Jungle, Fargo, and The Righteous Gemstones. Jason is also a musician where I first met him. He was the drummer in the band Phantom Planet. Jason, so good to see you. And uh, I know we were trying to do this before the strike. Here we are hanging out. Good to see you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for having me. Oh, great to see you. We, we've spoken a few times over the years, but not for, yeah. for, for quite some time. And we're going to get to our music questions. But before we jump into anything, finally, the writers are back at work. The actors are back at work. You and I couldn't talk because, well, you couldn't talk about anything that you do. Um, mm -hmm. is, is the business sort of slowly cranking back up again, even though it's holiday time? We're recording this in December of 2023. Well, yes, I think that it is. It's just not even on a work level. It's just nice to see people at least in Los Angeles, you know, being here, have like a, there seems to be a relief of, of, of people getting back to, you know, being able to go back to work because it affected so many people, so many families. And so it's, it's, it's good. It's good. It's a big relief. I know you couldn't promote any of the stuff that you'd been working on that was, was coming out. Are you now able to think about what your next projects are? Are you able to talk about what's, what's coming up? I mean, I want to talk about the couple of movies that just came out, but what else is coming up for you? Well, I've got, I've got a movie that's going to play at Sundance at the Sundance Film Festival called Between the Temples. And uh, I made it with Carol Kane, who's incredible, um, and a great director named Nathan Silver. And that's the one that, that is probably the soonest to come out. And I did one other film uh, before that. Um, and that has not come out and then hopefully we'll go back to work this summer. You know, I wish I was, I'm embarrassed to say that, like, it's not like the strike ended and then all of a sudden my phone was just buzzing. It's sort of the same, just no one calling, not even my family. <laughs> I'm totally. I mean, I'm totally trying to be like, yeah, the work it's, you know, it's like, yeah, there's. I mean, I'll have my phone right here this entire, let's see how many times it rings during this interview. None. For, for context for people, obviously this is yeah. uh, audio only. Um, you're yes. holding up your, your phone. Was that TopCat or BossCat on your phone? What, what's on your phone? Oh, this is a photo I took. This is um, a stained glass window of, um, there's Frank Oz and Jim Henson and Bert and Ernie. That's a real stained glass window. Beautiful. That I took uh, a photo of, um, at, in a, I was in Atlanta working and they have the museum, the puppetry museum there. And at the puppet museum is the Jim Henson archive. Um, and it, that archive or, or a version of that archive traveled, I remember, um, and, uh, around, and I went and saw it in Los Angeles at the, um, 
place called the Skirball Center. Mm. But it was very packed. I mean, it was crazy, crazy lines. And you could not get really close to any of the puppets. They had Kermit and everyone. But it was literally so, it was like the Mona Lisa. It, they had all the Muppets? All of, yes, oh Muppet, and, or most of them. And, but they had Kermit and Miss Piggy and, it, and, and Dark Crystal stuff. And it was just amazing. But it really was like being, I was really at a distance. You couldn't get close. Um, and you also don't want to be pushing kids out of the way. Uh, let me see Kermit. But That's not a good look. But this exact, uh, but all the stuff was in Atlanta at this museum. And it turned out to be across the street from the hotel I was staying at. So I went over there, no one there. I was the only person there. And I went in there for two hours um, and took many photos and read every single little plaque and every description. And it was so incredible. I mean, I, it was one of the most inspiring um, uh, days of my, my life, just seeing his sketches and, and you see his notes that he gave to his, um, to the, um, you know, people who, who built the, the, the puppets, like he's, you know, or he would say like, um, make the eyes, eyes go like, make the eyes slightly looking inward because it gives more, uh, it helps with how they look to the camera. Like, I mean, just incredible stuff and inventions that he'd made and, a little car he made so that he could drive a car and pu and have a puppet. I mean, it's amazing. Um, super, super cool. You've done a lot of uh, voice voiceover work, yeah. animation, animation. What is it? Stop motion uh, animation, yeah. which, which is yeah. which is with with puppets. Do you, do you think you have a particular uh, interest in in, in puppets uh, that comes out of that work, or is that something from just being a kid? I think that's something that comes from. Well, I mean. Well, you mean like I I love I loved all that stuff when I was a kid, but I didn't think like oh you know I could do voices of us. But I think that um, I do I've, I you know I really like doing the voice. I like it a lot, um, and um, it's been really fun. Um, I think partly because uh, when you're on a film set, there's so many people there, and if you have an idea, or you, you you want to try something. You know, you really have to think twice about asking if you can do it because in order to do it, it means a bunch of people have to wait around longer. Right. Uh, now that, you know, so either you're, you're going to be later going home for some people or you're behind schedule, you know. So, you know, if you, always, if you say, can I try it with this? Can I try it with an accent? It's like, uh, yay, 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 yay. But say it's not like a studio is cheap either but there's just you usually at a few people and it's a little less daunting um to quickly try something so there's i kind of like that um uh you know i like th that that uh, that quality um and i will say that i uh i did when my um kids were littler we had a car that came with a dvd player i didn't ask for this it wasn't like a thing it just came with a seat and uh i got i have all a bunch of dvds and a lot of the dvds that i had were muppet show uh, the original muppet show dvds mm. and um so i would drive around while my kids would watch 
The Muppet Show. And listening to The Muppet Show is a really kind of, it was a really interesting learning experience for me because um, it's not, you know, there's not, it's not a huge group of people doing all of those voices. It's, it's, it's a group of people, but they're doing multiple characters. Yeah, they do three or four voices each. Yes. Or more. And, and what's really interesting is like you just, just to listen to them for so long, like I did, you know, you, you'd think like, you'd think that these, you know, Miss Piggy and Fozzie Bear are like so different and they are so different. Um, sorry, that's my t- dog's pockets. Um, but, and they are so different, but when you just listen to the voice, they are different, but you can not, you can tell it's a, you know, it's, it's a same person. And what I learned from that was that you don't have to do so much to make like a different character. Um, it doesn't, you know, like your inclination is like, one, I'm going to be someone totally different. So one's got to be like that. And like, one's got to be like this. And like, you know, and like, just like, just that's like your, or at least mine, that was my gut instinct. It was like, you know, if you're reading a book or something to your child, you know, you change the voices so radically and stuff to make them all seem so separate. And that's fine for reading a book, obviously. But when you are doing like that, for instance, so much of the work also is being done by the puppeteer, the way the puppeteer is puppeteering the puppet um, and the way the puppet looks and the way the camera is filming it. And so it's not just on the voice um, to, um, to, 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 to provide, to, to be the total character. And it was a really kind of big moment for me because like if I watch an episode, I could watch the same episode of the Muppet show and Fozzie uh, Bear and uh, Miss Piggy seem totally different. But if I listen to it with my eyes closed, less different. Interesting. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. As, they're just as individuals. But it's, it's just a really, it was like a good learning thing. Like, um, yeah, that you don't, and that's what I think I really like about the doing that. Um, the voice work has been also that it's, um, you know, it really is a collaboration with so many people and it, and it's really exciting. I mean, who, I don't want to look at myself anyway, so it's good to, it's, I like animation. <laughs> well, can you listen to yourself though? Be- because, you know, I, I've done a, a little television and I, I, I can't watch the shows that I've done. I just destroy myself, but audio, it, it, it's also the same. I, I mean, I, I don't listen to the stuff I, I do. Do you, do you watch the stuff you do? No, no way. Yeah. But you have a, but you must know that you have such a wonderful voice and presence. I mean, you have you have an amazing voice. I'm I'm just glad that people pay me to talk. I, I feel very fortunate. Yeah, no, you know, I mean, it's you got you you have pipes. So so listen, you come from a family of actors, writers, and filmmakers. Was it inevitable that you'd end up in? the business, whether it's acting, music, writing? I don't know about inevitable, but I knew that I, I was not like good at math and at certain things. So I was, was less about that and more like about what I was, how the options were narrowing. But I think that, um, you know, certainly like, and especially looking back, um, my family is just like any other family in many ways. And and, and especially a family that where a lot of people are do a, have a similar trade or in a similar trade and love it. 
it's like an enthusiasm for it and a love of it. And, um, you know, just like people sit around and talk like sports families, probably, you know, just like, it's just, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And I think that, um, looking back, um, my family's, I don't feel like it's very like Hollywoody. Um, and in fact, very not into that at all, but very into movies and, and music and music really. And, um, I just remember like at my house growing up, like my mom always had, um, Turner classic movies playing just with the sound off and, you know, just as like a, it was just always on. And, um, when I'd go to friends' houses, it, it was, that was not on. Uh, and I just kind of noticed it as a kid, like in a way, a kid just kind of like, why is the TV always on at our house? Um, is that bad? Is that what's wrong? You know? And, um, are, you know, and, and basically starting to realize just that, like, the way my mom, I, I just remember observing her as loved movies and, and, and books and things. It was really like someone eating food. Like, I felt like it was nourishing her or something in, in a way that, like, I just didn't uh, experience with other, in other families at a very young age. Um just like a kind of love for it and enthusiasm for it. And, a, and I just wanted to talk about it all the time. And, but yeah, I didn't think that I was going to end up uh, working in movies. I, I hoped music, to be honest, because um, I mean, I definitely as a young kid, I fell in love with music. And I, um, as you know, most kids love music. And so, I, you know, I probably just wanted to be in the music industry just like anyone wants to be <laughs> music industry or whatever when usually when they're little but like i um i do remember just kind of feeling like at a very young age like this is where i want to be like there was a very warm feeling would come over my body when i would listen to music and it was just uh totally unlike any other feeling i could get from anything movies we would just go to Westwood and see movies on the weekends with my family, big comedies, 80s. It wasn't like I was seeing maybe like great, like the great, I wasn't like, oh, six. yes, movies. And I definitely wasn't going to see them going, I'm going to be up there one day. <laughs> like, I just, that's, that's not how my brain works. And um, I just loved movies. And I loved being there and laughing with people. I loved the audience. I loved um, everyone laughing at the same time. I was so like interested in that. Like, why is everyone laughing at the same time? Um, and I love physical humor. And I loved, you know, I loved just what people could express physically. Music was my, I, music, you could have a tape player at home. Movies, you had to go see on a big, huge screen and you had to pay money. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. were just so huge, especially I feel like in the 80s, it was like huge movies, huge comedies. That's that's like it was like a real treat to go see a movie. For people outside of Los Angeles, you mentioned Westwood, which is a suburb of of Los Angeles next to UCLA, and there's um, were anyway a bunch of theaters there, but massive theaters, big screen theaters, great place to 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 go and see a movie. Let's jump back to the music a little bit, and then we'll come back to it later on with the music questions. But um, drums were your first instrument, right? Yes. Yes. 
So, so I, I know that you started playing playing drums first, uh, and Phantom Planet um, was your first real band. But I seem to remember you telling me that you you had a, a fake band uh, be- before Phantom Planet. Good memory. Yes, yes, I did. I did have a fake band. We uh, we were a um, way ahead of your time, obviously. Way ahead of our time. Yes, we were ahead of our time. Yes, we were. <laughs> Uh, we were we really like yeah we were really like trailblazers. Um, the um, we well it was you know just a bunch of of kids uh, in my school. We loved music and uh, wanted to be in a band, and uh, everyone assumed instruments and drums were all that were left. The one of the kids did have a guitar, I think, and the other one did have like a little keyboard or something. And I, yeah, I would just lie when we go to band practice and say that I had too many drums to take over to their house. <laughs> um, so did they have any pots and pans and pillows I could borrow? So, so like really cocky. So, so when did you, when did you get into a real band? How did Phantom Planet? Mm. Well, so around eight or nine is when I started to want to play drums and um, really was hoping to get a drum set, but my parents uh my father i think you know it's a it's a it's a it's an investment to just go out and buy an instrument and such a loud one um do you know what i mean like it's a it's really inviting a lot into your house your thing it's you know and so um i had to kind of show that i wanted to do it for a serious yeah so um, at around 10, I got my drum set. And then by 11, I, 11 and a half or 12, I was already playing with the guy, Darren Robinson, who's in Phantom Planet. Um, and then we, and then Alex, the singer of Phantom Planet, he and I had gone, we had literally been going to school together since first grade. Um, and I remembered he could, we used to do film school together at, on summers. And, and I remembered he could sing really well i remember he sang no rain my blind melon once and i was like whoa i was like you know it's pretty mind-blowing when you see like a young like a person who's your age do something really good right they're like whoa 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 he really can sing (laughs) and so i never forgot that and then um yeah and then we so 13 is when we started messing around and playing so i would have been in seventh grade um seventh eighth grade and then eighth grade 14 years old like is is when it started in full and that's when i around that time like i was at a uh it was me and darren um and alex and um we had a few other members my friend brett berg who's an incredible guy who uh amazing friend of mine and it influenced but uh, i remember i was at a, a music shop in la and like i say when you're younger, I feel like you just you just see other kids only. I mean, you just see teenagers more than adults. So I saw this guy playing a guitar, like testing out a guitar pedal who was looked my age. And I was like, I've got to get him. I don't know why. I think it was from watching Eddie and the Cruisers Part 2. Um, in Eddie and the Cruisers Part 2, he, uh, he reassembled, he forms a new band. And he like goes out, like you see him like going to different bars when... He'll do like going out and like watching different musicians and getting mixed. And I was sort of doing the same thing, like, but in my own weird, like 
13-year-old version of it, like, hear someone at a guitar center and go, eh, and go, hey, you, you've got it. Come over and play with us. Let's go. Like, I was like, I don't know what we were doing. But um, that's how I met that Jacques and Sam was that way, just meeting cold, cold walking up to one of them in a West Sunday music store. And then, um, so by 14, jaboom, happening. And, and then I think, uh, when, did the, when did the record deal arrive? How old were you guys? 15. Yeah. And was, was the dog, is the dog correcting you? Is it, was it 16? What dog? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Are you, you hear a dog? Oh, um, Yeah. That's Homer. And the dog's called Homer. The worst possible thing for a podcast. Hold on. Hey, Homer. We got, we're, we're love lines. You can't bark like that. You're such, you always have to make it about you. It can't just be me on the podcast. It's got to be you. Hi. Sorry about that. <clears throat> He's young, though. He's young. He'll learn. Um, <laughs> but, um, so record deal at 15. Yeah. We, we, uh, around 14 is when I met Dan Fields, who we know, a mutual friend of mine, ours. Um, and because I was in, um, a wax a music video for the band wax. Um, uh, they had, they made a, this one of their videos. And they needed a bunch of people to be chasing the, they're all playing in a van and they needed a bunch of people chasing the van. Uh, and so me and Alex left school that day and went to the set and uh, chased this van. And Dan Field was the manager of Wax. And um, I told him that we had a band. And, um, well, maybe it was 94, 95, anyway. And then we made it. Um, Maybe it was 95. And then we made a, um, and then through Dan, we like made up, but had a bunch of songs, had Dan came over and listened to us play. In retrospect, it's so funny. Like he's coming over listening to like a bunch of 15, but um, he came over and listened to us play. And then um, we got a, um, a friend was able to like, let us use their studio. So we paid for these demos. And then we made these demos and um, literally, on cassette and then sending them to record labels and then we got um uh a call from geffen records that they were interested in talking to it and it was amazing it was crazy it was like my it was my dream so what 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 year was was the uh was the first phantom planet record released 1998 um, i think i think that's when i met you yeah it is I, I, I no, see. and I will say that I will, I will say because it's you are such a big part of why I even have a career. I feel like because you were like the first, like one of the first people to like recognize us and talk to us, and it was like the most like um, it really had a lot of uh, power over just like how everything got direct, even in ourselves to be to be acknowledged like that by you was really exciting. I, I remember uh, being at a show and it was, um, I could have this completely wrong because I'm beginning to realize that not all my memories are real, but I, I seem to remember meeting you, the whole band at a yes. show and it was a sit down show and you were in a row behind me and I, I want to say it was in the Fonda Theater and I don't know what the show was, but um, a mutual friend, Karen, introduced. Karen Glover. Yeah. And said, hey, these, this, is, this is Phantom yeah. Planet. And I, and I remember meeting you then anyway long time ago 
What um, was the, I wonder what it was at the Henry. I almost want to say on a limb, this is crazy. It couldn't have been Hedwig and the Angry Inch, could it have been? It could. Yes. That would explain why we were sitting down. Right. With Michael Cerverus. Yeah, no, that was it. You got it. Right. Wow, well done. I've been, I was thinking about this morning. I was going, what, what show was that? Well, I've been thinking about it too, going, where was that? Yeah. Yes, wow. So here we, here we are all these years later talking about that, uh, which, is, which is wild. And, and I wanted to sort of work my way through that to the fact that around the same time you auditioned for Rushmore. Yeah. Um, and uh, a, a lot of things changed for you. I mean, the band did, did yeah. great. You, you had the hit that was on the uh, OC, which got you guys a ton of attention. California, obviously. But at some point, you know, doing this for, for a couple of years, you made a choice that the, the acting was, was what you wanted to pursue. And I know you've never gone away from music. Mm -hmm. um, in, in fact, the last time we spoke, you had just acted in and written the music for uh, Judd Apatow's Funny People. Right. Yeah. And at the, at the time, you told me you, you wanted to write. To, do, and, and I know you have. And do you have aspirations to put all that stuff together at some point, to, to write a script, to do the music, to act in and, and direct something? Yes, I, I would like to. And, and I just need to uh, really get it together. <laughs> I mean, that's really all. I mean, because I would say that I have no excuse now. What am I doing? Um, but I, you know, I have, I was going to say, I don't know, but then I realized, then why do I keep all these little folders and underlined pieces of paper? You know, you're keeping them for something. If you, you're, you, there's something that I, that, that, that you're, that you have in mind that, that you don't know what it is yet, but you're, you know what I mean? That you've been. You're keeping stuff. Yeah. I think, and I think that I don't, I don't think because you love something means that you should or could do it. I, I think that to make a, film or write a script, it's very, I mean, it's amazing to be able to even to make anything. So it would be such an honor to make something, but I just have to get my, I gotta get my, I don't know what I'm talking about. I got my ideas together. I'll get it together. I'll get done. I'm sorry. No, I can't wait to, to yeah. see and listen. And, and, and I can't wait to show it to you. But there's no question that I, I love what, what basically like with music, first of all, I mean, the great thing is, is that the, my, my music is just, I feel very lucky for the most part. And it's probably like you, like, I think I've just spent so much time with listening to, to music, I, it, it, especially when I was younger. I can, it's a very, it helps very, I can focus on music in a way that is really, I'm really grateful for. And I love trying to understand music and you can take it everywhere you go and you can always be working on music. Um, and uh, there's something really uh, special about that to me. And so um, it's, it truly is my, my favorite thing in the world. You know, like when I hear a, like a, it doesn't even have to be crazy. It could just be like two chords and a melody in the right way or like a hi-hat sound. It just makes me crazy. Like, I'll be so happy. I'll believe in the universe. Everything just, well, I believe all, everything, yes. Um, and that quickly fades away, but uh, on the next verse. But the, it, it does, I get really, I'm really enthusiastic about music and just, and I love how much music there is. Um, I don't know a lot about jazz and classical music, which I, I feel I'm 
regret not have spent more time trying to learn about that, but maybe, maybe that's what this next chunk of time can be. You know, I mentioned in the intro that you're in the, the Hunger Games, the yeah. Ballad of, of Songbirds and Snakes, yeah, uh, which is set uh, way before the, um, is, is it a trilogy, the, the, the ones that came yeah. out a decade or so ago? Yeah, um, it's like a, well, it's like a quadrilogy, I guess. There's four, right? Right. There's four, but the first, but the last two are part one and two. So it's sort of like a, what do you call that? Like a trilogy with, in, four parts yeah it's a trilogy where they where they, they split the last book to get yeah. an extra movie like they did in the harry potter and all that yes. stuff but 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 what i was trying to do was sort of uh give the context in so much as the movie that you're in is uh, i think those are the hunger games in the 75th and 6th hunger games or whatever they're in the 70s and the one that you're in is the 10th hunger games right yeah um uh you play lucky um lucretius flickerman who yeah. Uh, am I right? Is an ancestor of the character played by Stanley Gucci in the original? Is that yes. Right? Yep. Yep. Uh, how, how did how did the, the the role come to you? The role came to me in the um, you know what this it was just a crazy moment where um, you know I had always loved those uh stanley tucci's performance in, in those i mean really like when i saw the first one i just thought oh, God, if i could do something like that would be what amazing a role like this and um all these years later i was um i was just i was with my wife and you know i had i was at that time i was not doing i had just finished shooting asteroid city and I was back in Los Angeles and um, I got, I received a call that, that, that they, that they wanted to talk to me about it. And it was like, so bizarre. It was so out of the, out of the blue. Um, Cause I wouldn't even know they're like, I wasn't aware they were making another, you know? Um, and the second that I heard about it, I just, it just felt like I've got to do whatever I can to, to do that, I mean, to, to do that, to play, they said they want to talk to you about playing this character that's Stanley Tucci's ancestor. That's like a big deal. I mean, my wedding, um, Stanley Tucci made a movie called The Big Night, and that's all about our brothers cooking food for uh, their last meal, cooking this big meal for, anyway, um, it's all about food. And uh, I even bought a Big Night cookbook um, years ago before my wedding to base some of the food off my wedding, off of the food from this movie. Oh, um, wow. uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying like, I'm a, like, a, I'm a Tucci head, like, you know, I'm not like, there's not a, here I'm a poster of him on my wall, but, um, it was a real, he, he is a big deal to me and a really inspiring person. Um, and so I was just really excited to even be like in the same kind of conversation as being part of a connective tissue with him yeah um, in these movies that i thought were really great and the books as well is so it? that kind of came about in a very traditional way I, I heard about it and um i talked to them and i was like yes i i haven't i haven't seen the movie um yeah but will there be more i don't i don't i don't know if if they're it's you know what there this one was based on the book and there are no other books at this point so Got it. 
you know, everything comes from Suzanne Collins, who I met only the one time as the um, premiere of the film, who's so great. You're awesome. um, yeah, she's the author. And um, so it really all comes from her. She, it's sort of, she's the, you know, she has the world in her. Um, but um, I'll, I mean, I would in a heartbeat. It was so yeah. fun. It was really incredible to be part, uh, to shoot a film of that scale that um, where it's totally, it's in a different time and place. And everywhere you look, everyone is dressed like they, like of that time, the whole set um, is made to look like of this play. It was really immersive in a way that um, I had never, well, I had worked on, yeah, it was very just, big felt so exciting it was really fun let's jump back to the music and the the questions that i ask everybody great that means i failed that was the first part's over and i didn't answer any questions it was terrible that means that's all right we're wrapping it up okay keep going this is the end this is where we're landing the gun this set thought i was gonna yeah. get so much more work done on this flight I want to talk a little bit about what other music you've been making as well, because uh, I, I know you've, you've, you've got something cooking, but what is your first musical memory? My first musical memory must is um, being a little kid with my own boombox, little tape recorder type thing, uh, listening to Thriller, Human Nature. Do you remember how it made you feel? Uh, yeah, uh, incredible. Uh, I mean, I just listened to that album all the time. Um, it was like, uh, you know, I just took it everywhere with me. Uh, I mean, at least at my house. I mean, how many places could I have? You took it everywhere in the house. I took it everywhere, every single room. What, what, <laughs> what was the first music you bought with your own money? But I will say, can I say one other thing is that my, but my biggest childhood musical memory is my mom used to always pick me up from school when she'd pick me up from school. And at the time she was listening to Into the Woods a lot, the, it just, and she had it on a, in the car. And I just remember it was like always on in our car. Um, and I didn't realize how much that, that soundtrack there's actually a song on it. Oh, uh, it's like brothers and you know halfway through the wood. It's like I hadn't. I love the musical, but I, I, I didn't realize what an intense, how deep it was within me until I recently took my son to go see it. And it's, it's great, and we're having so much fun. And this one song comes on, and it's like it was like going into like an emotional sauna. I started to just cry. I didn't even, it was like, I didn't even know what was happening. It was like, it was, it was pulled out of me. And I think it was all coming back to me in that one moment, how much this music, it was the, was the, it's represents three fifteen. school is over, sitting in the car, buckling my belt, staring at the door to my right, looking at like a melted halls, um, like whatever it is, like it just, it, 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 I had no idea. And so it, that's my earliest musical memory, but that I only just remembered most recently. 
it never fails to amaze me the power of music to take you to a moment in time that is so visceral where you can see yeah. it, you can feel it, you can smell it. And just, it's yeah. the trigger of a song. Yes. Isn't that amazing? Second question. What, what was the first music you bought with your own money? I bought with my own money. It might've been Nevermind. Nirvana. Yeah. Or it could have been also like, I don't know. I didn't probably buy with my own money, but I love the Scorpions. Scorpions, sorry, not the Scorpions, just Scorpions. Scorpions, Nirvana. Just very quickly, yeah. and I'm sort of going to go dip back into the movie thing for a minute, even though this is my questionnaire. Sorry, Nick. Um, when you said Nirvana, it reminded me of, of something, again, that I remembered from a conversation we had a decade ago, uh, where you said that when you were getting into movies, you were trying to find the movie that was your Nirvana. You know, like yes. uh, Nirvana was what got you into music. What was the, the movie that, yeah. that, that represented the, you know, the same feeling? What, what was it? Yeah, it was, it was, um, when I saw, um, my, it was, well, it was three movies all in one and I watched them all in one chunk because I was, I had a fever and my mom went to the, uh, video store and rented the graduate dog day afternoon. And I think Harold and Maude. And I just, I, yeah, it was the first time a movie had made me feel like an album had where I was where I felt like my body chemistry had changed. I, yeah. I, I digressed with that, but I, I, it did occur oh, yeah. to me that that yes, was that's a good. Yeah. question I wanted to get to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was the first concert you went to without any adult supervision? Oh, adult supervision. Because the first concert I went to with adult supervision was Beach Boys in Chicago at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, but I don't really, but I was obviously with adult supervision. I think my first concert, 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 concert. Not like I went and saw some kid bands play in LA, but that's not what you're talking about. Real concert. I don't know if it's my first concert, but the one that really stands out is seeing the Weezer in LA on their first at the Palladium. That was really amazing. I was 14, 15, I guess, but I must have seen other bands before that, but that was big. What do you listen to when you want to dance? Well, I like, you know, as like a lot of people you've spoken to say, I don't dance. And I, I really, you know, what does it mean to dance? You know, what is it dance? When I want to dance, you know, and it's not necessarily when someone else wants me to dance. And it's very hard to get everyone wanting to dance at the same time, the same type of thing. Anyway, if I was in a vacuum, I was just me wanting to dance and there's no one around. It's very tricky. Are there people watching? I think... I got to say, you know, Daft Punk, probably, or Phoenix. I think that they uh, both, well, obviously they're both French, but, and that, but that's not why they're connected to my brain. But I, there's a, um, some kind of odd, weird ability, and this is uh, strange to say, but to pick the perfect tempo, like for every song, just like exactly the right tempo, it just feels good. But I can't dance to these. I mean, I, I can't dance. Um, yeah. What do you listen to when you're feeling sad? Sports radio or something. Uh, I think that it depends. I know you can go either way. I, if I'm trying to pick myself up, I find that I don't listen to music. I find that uh, I listen to like an interview with like, or a, like a book on tape where the writer reads their stuff. Like a, when I hear like some beauty can often be helpful. 
in that way, like, or just hearing someone talk or like, you know, even in an interview with you, like the quality of your voice, there's some about radio, there's some about people talking on a microphone. You know, it's like, I never thought about this before, but like, I remember when the earthquake happened in LA in 1994 and being so scared. And it was the first time that my parent, I was like, I felt like, wow, my parents don't even know what's going to happen next, you know? And I just remember hearing people talking on the radio and thinking, well, at least they're safe. Like, it always feels like no matter where someone is broadcasting, they're safe. That's why I, I like to listen to sports radio or even like watching sports at night. You know, when there's like a blimp shot and, and they go like, hey, here's a view of the beautiful downtown Dallas area. Like, yeah, it's just like an overshot view. I'm like, oh, everything is okay. I, I don't know what it is, but like I feel and I hear like the dun 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 like you know, and I think that there's something about like people talking on a microphone that makes me feel it's okay. Everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. Something like that. In an interview or something. I was on the air, um, I don't know, two thousand, something like that. I was I was on the air in the basement at uh, KCRW, the radio station I worked at in Los Angeles during an earthquake. <clears throat> it was my first first earthquake. And the whole place just sort of, you, you, I mean, for those who've experienced earthquakes, it's kind of like a gentle sort of roll, usually not to, so much a shaking, unless you're in a big one. And I was actually speaking on the microphone as, as it happened. And I looked across and I was new. I'd only been in town a year or something. So oh, I mean, wow. to me, this is like, I'm in an earthquake, I'm in a basement and, and I'm on the radio. And I look across to my, my producer, Ariana, who's lived here all her life. And she just looked at me and nodded. Um, was kind of like, it's okay. It's all right. And then it sort of passed. Mm. And I think I stopped talking for the 10 seconds that, that it was going on. And then I just sort of was like, do you guys feel that? It's, wow. like, it's like, it's something reassuring about the voice on the radio, as you said. Yes. Which is Even like, just you know, now when you said, did you guys feel that? That would be like, that's the perfect thing to hear. You felt better. Yeah. Yes, for sure. I mean, that's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you know, I'll say one other thing is that Comedy albums, I think, too, are great. Um, I don't know. When I'm sad, sometimes I just listen to uh, like Mitch Hedberg, uh, Richard Pryor, you know, Albert Brooks, just um, just something like that. It just can be really um, wonderful. If you could only hear one song for the rest of your life, mm. what would you what would you pick? Yeah, you know, it's a very hard question. I think that at the I've thought about it and. I've got two answers and you tell me which one you like better, which I know is not allowed. One is, I think that, do I have to listen to it on an island? I mean, is that what you're thinking? Like I'm, well, you know, I mean, I, not necessarily. Okay, great. Perfect. Perfect. Because I was thinking if I wasn't, if I was alone somewhere, I would actually want a new piece of music because I wouldn't want to be reminded of my old life. Of your past. That's, that's yes. gone. I right. want to hear something that makes me long for the old country right i want something maybe in a different language that's long and pretty wordy so that i could also learn the tune learn the language maybe exactly and try to understand what it, if i'm going to be listening for that long i'd like to really be able to have it satisfy me on many levels but um i i think uh, and the only reason i think this is i'll give you two things is when i i was looking through my uh playlist of mixes that I've made for people. And there's one son that's on almost every single one. So I think 
by default, that's got to be the one, maybe. But it's the song Avril 14th by Aphex Twin. Okay. It's just, um, I don't know. It's just, it's the song for me. And uh, Waterloo Sunset. Those are the two that are on everything by the Kinks. Yeah, um, so I totally didn't answer your question. You know what? There's no rules. Yeah, okay, good. Do you have a favorite music video? And, uh, and if so, why? Well, I, does it count as a music video if it's the um, Strawberry Fields video? Uh, I don't see why not. I just love that one so much. And I love the Penny Lane one. Like the, I think of them as together. Maybe the Penny Lane one I love. I have no idea why I love it so much. But I think it's like, I just like the Beatles all seeing cold. They're all cold. And they're having like a, and then they have like a tea party and then their instruments are brought to them at a table, um, which I just love. I love that. And, um, and they're kind of like singing along, but I don't know. They're not really actually singing the words, so I don't know what they're um, but I think that's my favorite one. That one or Window Liquor by Aphex Twin. You, you know, those songs um, were released as a, as a single. They were an A-B yeah. side single. Um, I, I figured you would know, but, but probably a lot of people might not know that because I think they ended up getting stripped into the Magical Mystery Tour album here or something like that. But when they originally came out, it was in between yeah. album cycles for the Beatles and that was them letting us know that Sergeant Peppers was around the corner. I think they came out just before Sergeant Peppers. Did you did you watch um, Get Get Back? Did you watch the uh, oh. Peter Jackson documentary? Yeah. Yes, phenomenal, I, phenomenal. But I won't. Uh, I've left there t two minutes left. I have not finished it um, because I want it to never end in my brain. You didn't watch the last two minutes? No, 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 no. So so they break up. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you know how it said like in the beginning it's like this is cold from 120 something hours of video footage and, and something something hours of audio I would just listen to 60 hours of all I would listen to the audio of it do you have a, a recent musical discovery it doesn't necessarily have to be a new band but something that's new to you that, that you'd like to share with our listeners oh great question I'll give you a few there's a lot. I mean, I love a lot of stuff here, but I think that for me, a big one is Anthony Moore. He was in a band Slap Happy with his partner, uh, but then he also released records on his own. And um, like this, there's a song in particular called uh, Johnny's Dead that I think is really wonderful. And a song called Judy Get Down, but they're really wonderful. And and that's what I love about music is that there's, they're all just, it's all out there and it's just waiting to be found. And it's incredible. Do you, do you have a, an artist or a band that you personally love, but you feel that they never quite got the break they deserved or should have got? Well, yes and no, I, I don't, cause I don't want it to seem like people, they didn't get a thing, but I feel like Chris Damey of the, and the DBs, He's an incredible talent, like incredible. And um, I definitely think that he, the DBs and Chris Damey's solo work are like, I hope that they can be heard by more people. Do you have a musical guilty pleasure? There's a lot of 90s songs that I just really love so much that I feel like don't get enough respect. It's not a guilty pleasure, 
But one headlight by the Wallflowers is so amazing. The drums are incredible in that song. And I can listen to that song anytime, anywhere. I mean, truly, I, I love One Headlight. But I don't feel guilty about it. That's okay. I'll tell you what I love, not a guilty pleasure. Playing with the boys from um, the Top Gun soundtrack. I love that song. Because it's hard enough playing with the boys. That's a good, that's a guilty pleasure one. You know, you don't realize, you don't realize that they're guilty pleasures until, for instance, yesterday, not, to, I don't know why I'm telling you this story, but I was driving and I was on the radio came the song Lover Boy, Everybody's Working for the Weekend. And I was like, I haven't heard this song in so long and I'm turning it up, I'm blasting it. And then I'm, you know, I start to think who could cover this that would be really cool, you know? And I was like, oh, I would love to hear like Julian Casablancas do Everybody's Working for the Weekend. And I'm just like loving it. And then, um, I'm coming around a corner and then two people walk by me who hear the song and look at me and clearly aren't working for the weekend and are like, good. Oh, I'm glad you get a weekend. And I just felt like such an asshole. And in that case, I, that was a real, I felt guilty. And I was like, and I, I wanted to say, I just turned it on three blocks ago. Uh, as, and this is on the radio. This came on. But I was cranking it, and I pulled into the crosswalk a little farther than I would have if I wasn't listening to that song. Playing with the boys, by the way, is, is by Kenny Loggins. So I think we can describe that as a guilty pleasure. Yeah. You know what I really love so much, too, is uh, the song Vienna. Ultravox. Incredible. It's been such fun hanging out with you. So fun. I always end on the same question, which is... Yep. How are you feeling right now? Great. Great. But I'm happy. If you're happy, because if you're happy, I'm happy. No, if you're so happy, happy, I'm happy. No, if we're happy, they're happy. So everybody's happy. Yeah, except him. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Great talking with you, Jason. All right. So fun. Bye-bye. The Sound of Success is hosted and produced by myself, Nick Harcourt, for Spark Network. Our theme music is by Keita Klein. For more episodes, find us on Spotify, Apple, sparknetwork.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>